Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Chance Podcast. I'm Matt Maratea. I'm going to be your host. This is a podcast that's all about talking sports and having a beer or maybe two. So, thank you for stopping by, and without further ado, let's get to it. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, the meat of the podcast, as always, big thank you to Lanafi. Lanafi has given me some of the coolest, most comfortable workout gear uh, that I've ever owned. They got a great selection of hats. Uh, they got this uh, long tees, a uh, little more fitted style, whichever you prefer for working out. It's fantastic sweat-wicking material and super, super comfortable uh, shorts. Uh, I think some of the best I've ever owned. If you want to own some, uh, then you just have to use the code Meritea when you head on over to Lanafee.com. And, you know, at checkout, you'll get a discount and I'll get something too. So uh, I help you, you help me. It all works out. And for that post-workout bliss you're looking for, head on over to FNX Fit you will be able to find some fantastic uh, supplements. Uh, really, really good stuff. I use the PM Protein. Uh, it's really good if you do night workouts, want to get a little bit of protein, but also want to get something that's going to help you fall asleep afterwards. You know, you don't get too riled up. I also have a day blend, uh, just, you know, regular recovery protein. They've got Super Greens, Krill Oil, their own line of CBD products. I may jump into those at some point. Who knows? Uh, it's some really, really good stuff. And I think you'll want to try it. Just use the code SPORTCHANCE, capital S, capital C. Uh, yeah, yep, capital S, capital C, Sport Chance code FNXFIT. Definitely use it. Definitely get some of their supplements. And now let's get into the fun part of the podcast. Sort of a, some family-oriented sports talk. Um, you know, it's never really, you know, sports still aren't picking back up. There's the MLB plan. They're talking about PGA in June. I don't like to operate in this sort of mystical area where we don't know what's going on. So I'm kind of ignoring that. For, not, not ignoring it, just not getting my hopes up, not getting invested in in-depth. Instead, I'm going to talk about things that I have, things that I know, right? Uh, so jumping back into sports cards, uh, talking about the memories I have of a great Philadelphia sports figure, and then beer talk, as always. And today's beer is from Evil Twin Brewing. Uh, they are a contract brewer based in Brooklyn. They sort of farm out their brewing to 10 breweries sort of across the map. And they're pretty well known for creating radical stuff. They say it's for beer geeks, gourmands, and you. I think I'm the you, maybe a little bit of a beer geek. Probably not a gourmand, more of a, I don't know, whatever the French word for glutton is because I eat everything. Um, but this one also near and dear to my heart because the beer title is something that I probably have said recently, and it's I actually wish it had snowed more this winter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is definitely something I'm into. Uh, snow, winter, hockey, ah, duh. So 
in doing that, I am going to officially uh, it's can cracker time, people. This is a goes, uh, or goza, 5.5% with watermelon, salt, and vanilla. So that means lactose goza, baby. Woo! And I have my Zed's can glass in Christmas colors because this is sort of, uh, you know, the can says no. Even if the taste and flavors and style really don't match up with that. But I've been known to enjoy, uh, I've been known to enjoy a goza in the winter. Um, I know it's as we had the Snowbird Envy that came out uh, a little bit later in the season than you would think. We missed it summerly, so it ended up being a fall stretching in a winter. I think I had a couple of cans left over from that. Such, such a good beer. I missed that one for sure. Can't wait for that to come back. Uh, so, yeah, let us uh, get it into this uh can cracking business. So, as always, ladies, gentlemen, start your cracking in three, two, and one. Ah, that's always a nice pop. So, as I said, this one, Evil Twin Brewing, uh, it's got a picture of a snowy street, snowy cars, uh, yeah, it's really something I can appreciate. It's got a really nice label, and uh, you know it pours pretty good. Wow, that uh, has some haze to it, almost a little funk. Definitely heady when it's coming straight down the glass. Um, huh, that smells kind of funky. Hmm, just getting my nose in there for some of the early portions of it and gotta finish that off with the beer pouring boomerang Ooh, and the head doesn't overflow yay me always happy for that so anyway while that's settling out before I really crack into that one sports car talk yay it's a fun hobby for me, and I want to talk about the most recent cool card that I pulled. Um, it is 1987, Mark McGuire rookie card. Um, it's actually kind of valuable. It can go anywhere between $30-$45, um, you know, sort of depending on the market. Right now it's a little down, so it's probably closer to 30 uh, but it is, I believe, 1987 rookie card, um, and it's from uh, Tops. Some of them are going for $21. Some of them are going for $520. Uh, all depends on the rating. I mean, who knows with the GMA rating scale and whatnot, but that is... Uh, the card that I pulled most recently that had a little bit of value to it. Shout out to Conti's Card House, uh, just off the main drag in Haddonfield. Uh, I think uh, that's a really fun place. It's really good for someone who's just getting into the hobby. Uh, Conti will be there to sort of explain the whole thing to you. Um, he is a wealth of knowledge. He even gave me a little cheat sheet to start off with. Um, yeah, 
really fun time talking to him. Can't can't wait to get back into that shop uh, once this is uh, you know all over and we can get back to basics uh, going on. But I'm gonna take a sip of this beer because it's sort of screaming at me in the glass with this haze. Whoa, that is crazy. Uh, I'm going to have a fun time talking about that one. But anyway, so favorite card I ever got uh, was a gift from my Uncle Charles. Um, my Uncle Charles, he's a very avid collector, very cautious person, soft-spoken if he's read a book on the subject, he somehow absorbed every single word and can probably uh, give it back to you, or at least all the information that you would ever need or want to know. And I was, especially when I was younger, I was very into the habit. My grandfather would take me to card shows. I'd go to card shows with him. So he came across this one. The guy was a sensation when he came into the league, Ichiro Suzuki. It was the tops. I believe, or was it upper deck? Uh, no, it was tops. It was a tops card with like a nice gold inlay, and it was the 2001 rookie card, and it was the Japanese version. Uh, I don't even know how many were made. Uh, he gave it to me with a letter of authenticity, and then a letter sort of explaining the value of the card. And I, I've always loved that thing so much, and valued it, and treasured it, and you know. People, if someone were to say, what's the one card in your collection that you would never sell, that is it. And you know, I keep it so well hidden, I just out of, I don't, I don't even know. Sometimes I forget where it is and I start to freak out. Oh no, I'm freaking out. No, I know, I know where it is. I'm not going to say. I will not say where it is, but I know. But yeah, I, I love that card and it sort of symbolizes to me just learning a family tradition, spending time with my uncle, my grandfather, uh, my dad, you know, he likes the market and appreciates all of it. Um, it's just something I, I grew up with and, you know, I'm not going to wax poetic two straight weeks about, uh, sports cards and what they mean to me, but, uh, that's a little story I wanted to share because I was you know, thinking about one filling time and just, you know, interesting topics. So you know, if you're listening out there and you have a favorite card in particular, one you could never part with, one that means something special to you, that carries a little more weight, uh, you know, share. Uh, another really cool card I have that I also want to mention is a Ken Morrow 1980 uh, commemorative Olympic card. He hadn't played in the NHL yet, so it's kind of a rookie card, kind of not. Uh, but it's really awesome. Kenny Morrow was one of my favorite players from that team. Uh, just, you know, from everything I've learned about them and read about them. And then he went on to have a great NHL career, sort of a rough and tumble guy. And just, he's you know, not a name that stands out when you think of, you know, the, the scorers from the, the Russia game or, you know, the backstopping of Jimmy Craig, uh, Micah Ruzioni, you know, all, all those types of things. Kenny Morrow was kind of a stalwart, uh, silent <laughs> ship in the night who was uh, steering them. It was like the lighthouse of the team, in a sense. Now, moving on to another slightly emotional topic. I don't know, but it is kind of. Um, I gotta take another sip of beer. 
before I tackle that one. So this uh, week, I believe it was Wednesday, marked um, the 11th anniversary of the death of Harry Callis. Harry, obviously, the uh, voice of the Phillies for God knows how many years. Um, Somebody that pretty much everyone probably right around to the age of God. I mean, if you watch the Phillies and you were born maybe before 2000 and yeah, 2000, 2003, maybe you will remember him, uh, in a certain way. And for me being a 92 baby, I remember him sort of dragging me through the years of putrid Phillies baseball um, you know, I have some resonating sounds and joy associated with the 1993 season, but those are hard to grasp and almost sort of fuzzy. Um, what I remember is years like 97, 98, um, you know, bad, bad Phillies teams, um, you know, weird lineups, uh, and just the way he would say certain players' names, like the way he would pronounce it, Desi Relaford or uh, Mickey Morandini. Um, you know, that stuck with you because this was somebody who sounded like he was taking joy and he really was, he loved what he did, uh, you know, in calling the games and being there day in and day out. And it made you appreciate just that there was baseball on, that there was someone talking to you, that there was something that you could enjoy, uh, you know, there, you could engage with the game, um, it was in that era that I had my first favorite player on the Phillies. Um, and, you know, I always remember the home run calls, obviously. And that ball is out of here, Scott Rowland. <sighs> well, I have a complicated relationship with Scott Rowland that I'm not going to get into. Um, don't want to drag this podcast down. Don't want to drag myself down. Feeling pretty good. Um, but that's one thing like I can recall it perfectly in my mind. I can't imitate it. I mean, nobody can, except maybe Joe Conklin. But the way that Callis said that name, his cadence, um, you know, it, it's not replicable. Uh, it's something that I'll always stick in my head. And, you know, from there, the Phillies teams would get better and Harry would you know, it seemed like he was getting better always. He never got worse. He was just fantastic. You know, a Hall of Famer in every sense of the word. Um, and, you know, and then finally there was the 2008 World Series. And it was everything I had, I had ever hoped for. A uh, Philadelphia championship and getting to hear Harry's call. Um you know, and that was just sort of the Phillies, and that was every that team united everybody, and it was all under the tutelage of Harry. Uh, Harry helped bring the city together, right along with us. He was calling everything as it happened, so he's our soundtrack. He is our collective memory, uh, sort of from that moment, uh, along with the images. He's the sound, uh, and you know it. Uh, Sports, in a weird way, brings people together. 
know, when I was I was up at boarding school at the time when they won, and I was watching the game. Uh, you know, we'll talk to one of the teachers and letting us use his TV while it was on during study hall. I think I even stayed up a little late. And you know, the other guy with me watching, uh, he was from the region, um, hated his guts. He hated me, I believe. Um, I mean, we hugged the crap out of each other <laughs> uh, when they won. It was, you know, I was happy to just have that to, sh to share. And Harry Callis, uh, he... Mm -hmm. Could uh, you know he could bring that to you? Uh, you know, watching games with my dad, my grandfather, my uncle, my brothers. Um, how we could be quiet and just listen to Harry, and you know, we could also chat on our own. And you know, it was almost like he was the third person there, sort of interjecting every now and again, interrupting us when we needed to be interrupted. Um, yeah, I can still remember watching from the foot of my grandfather's bed, just sitting in a, a maybe Indian style, my head up against this feels like an ancient piece of wood, just leaning, digging in almost, intently watching uh, what was probably objectively uh, terrible baseball at the time. And... Uh, <laughs> I can hear uh, Harry's voice coming over the TV, maybe a little staticky. I can hear my grandfather's voice. Yeah. We were talking about uh, Scott Rowland or Mikey Lieberthal. Oh, man, Lieberthal was a terrible broadcasting name, but Harry made it sound like music. And This is a topic that gets to me clearly. I thank God that I'm not drunk. <laughs> this is why I don't start drinking before I start recording. <laughs> this is why I review the beers live. Because if I was like two or three deep and then trying to give you my opinion, um, not only would I probably have too much of the beer um, to give you a proper tasting because the flavors would all just be too dominating after that. But uh, hell, I might be crying. <laughs> But yeah, um, if you have your own special Harry Callis memory, something that sticks out to you, uh, you know, tell me too. Twitter, Instagram, mmaritea22, uh, either one, or sportchancepod at, yeah, sportchancepod, that's the Twitter and Instagram. Um, Harry Callis memories, uh, favorite sports card, uh, anything like that, hit me up. Uh, I would love to know, love to talk about them. Um also, another hairy thing. Even the way some of the, some of the names of the opponents that he said, it was just he made you tune in. He made them seem more interesting. Like I will never forget the name Juan Encarnacion because of the way Harry Callis said it. And Dan Baker, to to his credit, has a little bit of that to him as well. And so does Lou Nolan. Philadelphia breeds these legendary voices. It's really quite an interesting phenomenon and I would love to know if there are other cities that have these types of folk heroes that they make out of their broadcasters and announcers
But, um, yeah, so moving on and drinking in this Goza a little bit more. Ah, uh, that, that's really interesting. Now, the reason I'm drinking a Goza was pure coincidence. I just happened to grab it as I uh, checked the side of the can. Flavors seemed interesting. But also, calendar's officially over in the spring. Days are getting longer. The sun was out till like 7.30 today. It was insane. Well, I mean, it wasn't insane, but it was, you know, a nice change of pace. So... Now that it's officially spring on the docket, spring flavors are in vogue, right? So it is time for spring beers. So did a little research, popular styles. You got the Goza, which I have now, sort of sweet, sour, salty. Uh, Berliner Weisses. Uh, that is a very interesting uh, beer uh, in a sense that... Uh, you know, these are lighter and brighter styles, right? So a Berliner Weiss is sort of a cross, uh, you know, obviously from Germany. Um, it's part Weiss beer. Uh, you know, it can be a little bit weedy, but then again, you have your wheat beers, right? That's another style. Uh, you've got your classic wits, uh, your Hefeweizens, or an American wheat beer, those are sort of your lemon or orange beers, your blue moons. Cloche, which is, uh, they're very bubbly beer. Uh, it's sort of like table beer, like I talked about. They're crisp, light-bodied. Uh, it's a lager ale hybrid almost, Cologne, Germany. And it's just one of those beers that they sort of just bring you, and you're just whoop, 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 sipping them back. They're in the small, tall glasses. Uh, the Brute IPA, which I always think should come back. It's got those enzymes from the Brute Champagne. I think it could make a return. I wanted to make a return. Um, it's not really a hophead beer, uh, but it's crisp. It's got that champagne quality to it. And then light lagers and pilsners. Listen, it's not... Go for go for a founder solid gold. I mean, or a... You know, a Prima Pills from Victory. You know, they'll taste like an upscale light beer. And it'll be worth it to have. Yeah, and I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to lecture you on beer styles and beer picking. I'm just saying you have tons of options out there if you want to get a little bit different <laughs> this spring. <clears throat> Go to your local liquor store. It's still open. Thank the heavens. But this one I picked up. Thank you, Canals 170. Evil Twin uh, Brewing. I actually wish it had snowed more this winter. Now, as I told you all before, well, first off, this beer is almost pinkish, which is really cool. But it's a Goza with watermelon, salt, and uh, vanilla. 5.5%. ABV. So, um, yeah, it's almost pinkish. There's watermelon. And if you've had the Sour Patch watermelon candies, like at the movie theater or the bag of them, you know, those sweet Sour Patch ones, they're sweet, they're sour, watermelony, green, red, 
covered with those super crystals that probably give you instant diabetes. This tastes like that. Only there's a little bit of that lactosey vanilla to it, so it's kind of milkshakey in a sense. I got hold on. I gotta I need some more research. It smells sweet and sour. It's got a little pucker to it. Um, this would be great, I think, with some type of Mexican food, maybe? I think which it goes is usually paired with the salt, and there's a lot of lime in there, typically. Um, it's almost like a kicked-up cerveza style sometimes. Uh, or it's like a margarita version of a beer, almost. What this does is that it, it brings that vanilla in to try to give you that sort of lactose It's like an extra kick of sweet at the end. And... Hmm. I'm oddly between liking it, loving it, and hating it. Because this one, it's tough to... It's good. Okay, I can't go wrong saying that. It reminds me of a candy. It gives that watermelon flavor. But it's just got that sort of sour lingering to it. And the vanilla and the sweet is a rush, but I wish it stayed on longer. There's a hint of salt. Uh, I almost wish there was more. I, I find that's kind of a complaint that I tend to have with these sort of craft gozes. gozes. Uh, hmm. I can tell you it looks great in a glass, and it would definitely get people talking. It would be an interesting beer to serve. I think this needs something maybe spicy to stand up to it. This could be. I could see this being great with like fish tacos and a mango salsa. I am going to give... Well, first off, on Untapped, this beer has achieved a 4.04 rating. Um, I've seen people say Jolly Rancher, Tart. Um, some people are getting more salt than I am. Um, not a lot of actual reviews, just mostly check-ins. Um, people are rating it high, obviously, if the average is 4. And, you know, if you do a quick scroll down, that's sort of what we're seeing. This is a pretty recent beer uh it's got 129 check-ins uh 122 uniques and just i mean this month alone has been 108 of them so it's uh you know this is a fresh beer sort of to the market uh, evil twin does a lot of really interesting stuff uh this is a really interesting beer i don't i i can't go as high as four uh 
See, this is where I almost wish I had paid that extra money to untap so I could give it like a 3.9 or 3.8, but since I'm sort of stuck to my gradual scale, this has to be a, a uh, you know what, screw it, giving it a 4 it deserves a, no, 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 it's a 3.75, 3.75, very good beer, not... Um, I mean, I was excited to drink this beer. I'm ex I, I like the way it tastes. Um, I got three more to sort of make a firm decision on it. Uh, maybe that'll change in the official medium review. But this beer itself um, is good. Um, it is interesting. Uh, it's obviously well made. I mean, you know, I made it this far. But I just, I can't. There's something I can't quite peg that's blocking me from getting all the way into enjoying it. Um, this is one I think I may have to try with food and then alone again. But could be here. If you see it, grab it. If you see Evil Twin, grab Evil Twin. It's probably worth it. They almost sucker me into buying one of their seltzers. I think luckily I read the can. Because I would have bought it sight unseen had I not noticed the description on the side. But, as always, if you want to talk beer, if you want to discuss the rankings, find me on Untapped and Maratea22. Uh, or, as always, that is also my Twitter and Instagram handles, Sport Chance Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, like, rate, and review the podcast. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, find me on Medium, Matthew Maratea. You can always look there. Or mmaratea22. Uh, remember, uh, send me... Uh, a special card that you'll never part with, or a favorite memory of a Harry Callis call. Uh, support your local breweries. Um, get takeout from Zeds. Uh, yeah, and stay safe, stay healthy, flatten the curve, uh, enjoy your beers. Uh, thank you all, as always. Um, enjoy. I'm out. Good night. Cheers.